Good morning. It's Pastor Randy here with uh, Made Free Church. Uh, man, what an amazing morning, man. Ah, so good. So good. So good. Um, man, uh, just to wake up every morning. I, I know I say this every morning, but just to wake up every morning and just spend some time with Jesus and get stuff done and do stuff. And it's just been a really kind of an amazing time and amazing opportunity just to sit with my king. And today we're going to learn <clears throat> some stuff. We're going to be continue our study in the book of Matthew. We're going to be in, um, excuse me, book of Mark. Uh, we're going to be in Mark 1, 29 through 39. So if you guys want to open up your word there. <clears throat> and just an, an announcement before we get started. We're going to have some announcements at the end as well. But guys, if you guys need prayer, please go to madefreechurch.org um, and go to the prayer request tab and uh, put your prayer request in there. If you guys live in the United States, please you guys want us, one of our, 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 our staff pastors and our one of our intercessory prayer teams to call you and pray with you, we'd be honored and we'd love to do that. Just leave your phone number in there and one of us will give you a call. Um, and uh, so let's get into our study. Let's get into prayer and our study. We're going to be, uh, it's called the day in, in the life. Uh, and uh, let's, you know, if you want to open up your words to uh, Mark chapter 1, 29 through 39. Let's get into it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this time, God. We love you. We worship you and we praise you. Lord, get me out of the way and let me just minister your word to the people that are watching, that are going to be watching later, Lord. And just, we love you. We worship you, God, and we praise you. Lord, protect my words, my lips, my heart, my eyes. And so, Lord, let me just minister your word to the people out there. Speak through me this morning, Lord. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, 
Let's get into it. So Mark 29 to 39 says this. And immediately he, he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. <clears throat> and Simon, uh, Simon's mother-in-law, lay ill with a fever and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And the fever left her and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought him all that were sick and oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising and arising early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said, everyone is looking for you. And he said to him, let's go into the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And they went throughout all of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. So what we're going to learn is that the present 24 hours of Jesus' life ministry, um, and when he established his authority and his teaching and his authority over demons and illnesses. You know, um, this sermon deals with uh, Mark's emphasis on Jesus' authority and the need for prayer and communion with God in solitude. You know, so, yeah, I'm going to be checking streams and stuff like that, making sure that uh, we're, we're good and see who's, who's commenting. So I'll be going back and forth just so you guys know. Um, so uh, during a, drug, uh, a drug-fueled psychedelic phase, the Beatles recorded an album entitled Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band in 1967. One of the songs was entitled A Day in the Life. John Lennon wrote the first and last verses, and John Mac uh, Paul McCarthy uh, wrote the lyrics for the bridge uh, as he recalled his teenage years. He wrote, woke up, fell out of bed, dragged a comb, crossed my head, found my way downstairs and drank a cup. Looking up, noticed I was late, found my coat, grabbed my hat, made it made the bus in second flat in seconds flat found my way upstairs had a smoke and somebody spoke and i went into a dream sounds like a pretty boring unfulfilling lot empty life to me if you or i wrote about uh, a 24-hour day in our lives and you know some of these elements would be there no doubt but i mean certain percentage of life is mundane and consists of maintenance you know, falling out of bed, combing your hair, etc. Yet I would hope that along with the maintenance of life, there would be also be some things that flow from godly intentionality that involves serving others and doing positive things in your life that give meaning and purpose. You do see that in the life of Jesus. As pointed out in Mark uh, 1, 21-39, records the day in the life of Jesus, which, he, which demonstrated that he was the Son of God by authority he exercises. And in verse 21-28, through 28, we saw how Jesus taught with authority and how he exercised that authority over demons. Today, in verses 29-39, through 39, we'll see how Jesus exercised the authority over physical illness, and in the end, we will see the source of that, where that power came from. 
Note in the first verses of 29 to 31, midday private healing. Now uh, it says this, now as soon as they had come out of the synagogue, they entered uh, the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick with fever and they told him about her. Um, so he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up and immediately the fever left and she served them. Based on this verse and other verses, it appears that the home of, of Simon, uh, later named, renamed Peter by our Lord, um, became a home base for Jesus' ministry in Capernaum. And after a powerful synagogue service, they head over to Peter's home for dinner. Immediately upon arrival, they, they told Jesus that uh, what he already knew. Peter's mother-in-law was sick with a fever. Even today, fevers indicate something more serious than the many minor ailments that we can have. and may indicate something much more serious. In those days, before modern medicine and the wonders of antibiotics, fever was something much more ominous and even potentially deadly. Notice that already the disciples were realizing, uh, realizing the answer to the pressing needs of their lives was Jesus. They heard astounding authoritative teachings from the lips of Jesus and witnesses instantaneous, complete, and absolute authority over demons. Could he use his authority to heal as well? Mark always, you know, Mark's always brief and curt. Simply says they told Jesus about the fever. But Luke, the, the medical doctor and his scholar uh, of the first order, was always more to the details and uses uh, a word that means that they appealed to him or beseeched him, indicating more of a casual statement about her condition. Already, their faith in the Messiah was was, was expanding. Uh, they're seeing what true what a, what a true wonderful person he was. So they asked him earnestly in faith to heal her. Mark tells us uh, that Jesus looked that took her by the hand, lifted her up, and the fever left. Instantly, she rises up from her bed of sickness to full health before Peter and his wide-eyed friends and family members. But of course she did. The fact that the disease vanished at his touch is more incredible than the demons fled at his word. What would have been incredible is that these things had not happened. He was the creator of the universe in control of time, space, matter, possessing omniscient uh, uh, knowledge and omnipotent power. Now, and now he, had, he was here on earth as God manifests in the flesh. What else would you expect? In healing Peter's mother-in-law, Jesus added to another proof that he was indeed the son of God. The main thrust of God's of Mark's of Mark's gospel. It's interesting that Jesus had no formulaic way of healing people. There was there there the ways he healed uh, was varied as the people who came to him for healing. Unlike modern so-called faith healers, there is no screening process. Not once. In all the Gospels, does he practice the common tactic of modern faith healers of slaying in the spirit 
nor does Jesus raise money for his healing ministry. In fact, through healing, he had an important role in authenticating his divine authority and the natural response of his compassion. And we will see, we'll, we will see that we will see later that really healing was incidental to his, his goals and purposes. Second, in verses 34 to 34, uh, 32 34, we see Jesus engaged in evening public ministry. It says this, <clears throat> and at and at even when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased and them that were possessed by devils. And all the city gathered together at the door, and he healed many that were sick with diverse diseases and cast out many devils and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. Many people had witnessed themselves Jesus' authority in teaching over demons, but soon word that Jesus was could also heal uh, must have been it must have spread through through the town. Evening approached, an unmistakable air of anticipation settled over Capernaum. Jesus had a pleasant meal with his disciples and perhaps a short time of rest. He was going to need it because evening was fast approaching, and Jesus knew what was about to occur. See, Mark Mark says that it, it was not until the evening, the sun had set that the people brought the sick and demon-possessed to Peter's home for Jesus to heal him and deliver them. They had to wait until sunset because the law of Moses forbade work of any kind on the Sabbath. And in Jeremiah 17, 21 through 22, the bearing of any kind of burden was prohibited on the Sabbath, on the Sabbath, and in the mind in the mind of strict Jews, that would include even carrying a loved one to be healed. So, as soon as the sun set, suddenly Peter's house was besieged, and Mark says the whole city gathered at the door. In verse thirty-three, they stood in a massive group at Peter's house, waiting for miraculous healings. And verse thirty-four tells us that they came with the manner of all manner of disease, and some people were also demon-possessed. One after another, they came to Jesus for healing and wholeness. They all had one thing in common. They knew their need. No one had to convince them of that. And realizing one's need is half the battle. They still did not fully comprehend who Jesus was, but they had heard of uh, what he could do and nothing could hold back the flood of needy people. The whole city of, the whole city of diseased and ill people in pre-modern days must have included a long list of illnesses that would fill a medical book today. But the great physician had come and he never charged a fee. His healings and deliverance from demons were actually twofold purpose. First, as we have seen, to widen the, com the compass of his power and authority, with each new miracle, Jesus established the fact in a new, more remarkable way that he was indeed the Son of God. Before long, he will perform even more novel and powerful mir miracles to, to, to demonstrate his power, feeding thousands by multiplying a few loaves and fishes, calming stores, raising the dead, this will always accumulate or uh, cu cu culminate, sorry, culminate 
at the end of Mark and, and with a Roman soldier confessing beneath the cross of Jesus. Truly, this was the Son of God. Second, Jesus healed and delivered because of he had compassion and mercy on those damaged by the results of sin on this earth. The Gospels, in the Gospels, there is not a single instant of someone who sought healing and deliverance from Jesus did not lovingly and willingly grant it. Wherever there was someone in need, Jesus met that need. And yet, wonderful as it, is, as it was, don't misunderstand what was going on here. Most of the people came to Jesus because they wanted something from him. And I'm not saying that that in itself is wrong. I mean, Jesus was the beginning, was beginning to reveal himself. And if you were crippled and blind and had leprosy or a demon possessed, and you heard of this miracle worker that could heal you, wouldn't you, you wouldn't care for any of the details about who he was and by what power he performed miracles. You would get your family members and get into the car and go over there as quickly as possible. They didn't have cars back in that day, but you know what I mean. All right. But here's the thing. Though some of the people came from non-spiritual reasons, ultimately many came to understand, love, worship Jesus for who he was. In my experience as a pastor, most people come to Jesus first out of self serving motives out of what they think that they can get from him people come to god because of material marital problems because they're unhappy because of the terrible trial in their lives or they just find out they're sick and or any number of non-spiritual reasons sometimes all they want is a magical jesus and when he doesn't perform for them they turn away again but many came to hear the gospel and their hearts were stirred and they came to genuine faith in Jesus and are born into his family. Kent Hughes is in his commentary uh, on, Pat, on this passage uh, in Mark says this, how nice it would have, it, uh, how, nice would, how nice would it be to have Jesus to heal us when we have a fever to make us wealthy, to give us prestige. Unfortunately, for every prayer that goes up in prosperity, 10,000 go up in adversity. It is natural to want a magic Jesus, but we must always remember that God is not someone to be used. He is to be loved, worshiped, served, regardless of what comes in this world. Now notice that like exorcisms earlier in, chap in, in the chapter, verse 34 says that when Jesus cast out demons, he would not per permit them to speak because they knew him. Why did Jesus not allow the demons to speak or to reveal Jesus' true identity? I was able to discover three reasons. And, and these are just, you know, uh, you know, I believe all three were true, right? But these are just my, this is just my opinion. First, Jesus signed this to emphasize his divinity and authority, the theme we have been driven home several times already. And second, by identifying Jesus before the right time, it could have caused premature action of his, by his enemies. Um, everything about Jesus' life, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension 
is stated in several scriptures to have been preordained by God. And at this stage in, in, in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus was showing his divine power, but he was not openly claiming to be divine. That time would come, but Satan's forces would seek to thwart God's timing to change God's plans. So Jesus commanded them not to speak. Now, that's a little wibbly-wobbly on that one because I said right there that there's several scriptures that have God preordained by God. So they couldn't have done that, but that was just, you know, one of the things that I wanted to put in there. And finally, uh, Jesus did not need the testimony of demons, and I wouldn't either. Would you? Later, Jesus would have enough problems with the Pharisees accusing him of being in league with Satan. Demonic testimony would not only add fuel to the Pharisees' fire. And the last thing we see, uh, this text, is an intimate morning in prayer in, in verses 35 to 39. It says this, And in the morning, rising up a great while before the day, he went out and departed in, in solitary place where he prayed. Where he prayed. And Simon and they and Simon and they that were with him followed after him. And when they found him, they said unto them, All men seek thee, and said unto them, Let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also. For therefore I came forth, and he preached there in their synagogues throughout Galilee and cast out devils. Now imagine how tired Jesus must have been after a whole evening of healing and deliverance of people from demons. Mark does not tell us how late Jesus ministered, but eventually all needs were met and because he had a human body, he needed to rest just as we do. We don't know how long he slept, but in verse 35 tells us that he rose a long time before the daylight and went out in secluded place to pray. Why? Just like us, he needed to be alone with the Heavenly Father. Just as his outer man, his body, had to be renewed by a few hours sleep, his inner man, his soul, needed to be renewed. To get that, he needed seclusion and silence. Think about it. Soon, Peter's mother-in-law would be puttering about, lighting a fire, preparing breakfast. Peter would be calling everyone to come to the beach to see the night's catch and any little ones in the house would started stirring and whining for breakfast Jesus needed to get away from all that to get alone with God and pray as God Jesus did not need alone time with the father but having been in eternal communion with the father he longed for those sweet times with him and so he often left the hustle and bustle of life to recharge in prayer. Eventually, Jesus' solitude with the Father was interrupted by his disciples. And after remarkable events of the day before, they were ready for more. Everyone's looking for you, they said. The disciples had a grandiose vision that their movement would catch fire, spreading throughout all of Galilee and eventually Jerusalem until the vast army was assembled and they could take back their land from Rome and Jesus would step up as the messianic kingdom. They just didn't grasp what Jesus was really all about. He burst their bubble and he says, Nope, 
got another plan. We're going to nearby town so I could preach also. Because that's why I came. See, Jesus knew that people were, would be clamoring for more miracles and healings, but those were marginal activities to him. They were, in, they were instrumental in establishing that he was the son of God, but preaching was more important because it was through preaching that people would be called to an eternal decision and discipleship. It was an eternal, it was a spiritual kingdom Jesus came to build in his first coming, a kingdom to be built on preaching the good news. Good morning, Amanda. So in verse 39 tells us that he preached all throughout Galilee and whenever he preached, he was opposed by the dark forces of Satan. So he cast out demons. Now, as I look at this passage, several personal applications jump out to me. First, the key insight about Peter's mother-in-law's healing that I skipped over in order to save it for the last. The truth that as soon as she was healed, she set about to serve. To serve is a natural response of the heart that has experienced the transforming touch of Christ. Serving God is natural for believers as night follows day. When Paul surrendered to God on the road of Damascus, the first words out of his mouth were, Lord, what would you have me do? If, if you have not found a way of serving God and others, you've missed the essence of what it is to be a follower of Christ. Jesus says in Mark 10, 45, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. If Jesus came to serve and not be served, how can we claim to be followers of Jesus if we do not follow him in serving God and others? When you trust in Christ, you receive a spiritual gift, but you're not to use that gift for your own benefit or for your own self. Peter says in 1 Peter 4.10, it says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. To be a good steward of God's manifold grace is using your gift to serve. There are plenty of ways to serve God and one another from volunteering, you know, at your church or, or teaching a kid's class or cleaning up your church, using your musical abilities for worship, helping out in the sound room, hosting a home group or teaching a home group. Um, you know, and many opportunities. Don't just be a sponge soaking up the word of God. Squeeze that sponge by serving. And the second application I want to share with you is the challenge to follow Jesus' example in finding solitude and silence sometime every day to pray. In 2012, there was an article in New York Times that offered an analyst of what might be called the busy trap. Listen to the excerpt. If you live in, the, in America in the 21st century, you've probably had to listen to a lot of people tell you how busy they are. It's become the default response when you ask anyone how they're doing. Busy, so busy, crazy busy. The article goes on to say this. Busyness serves as kind of a hedge against emptiness. Obliviously, your life cannot possibly be silly or 
or trivial or meaningless. So if you're busy, completely booked in demand of every hour of the day, we're busy because of our own ambition and drive and anxiety because we're addicted to busyness and the dread to what we might have to face in the absence. The sense that your life is empty if it's not busy is the real phenomenon. Though, in fact, the opposite is true. The deepest fulfillment and purpose in life is found in solitude with just you and God in prayer and in His Word. If we're especially tired or exhausted, perhaps we have not been seeking the solitude with God. Getting away from the constant clamor of our attention and being still to pray and replenish our souls. At the beginning of the sermon, I pointed out that life of fulfillment and purpose are related in part to intentionality. That means making a conscious decision to be intentionally to do the things God has called us to do and what is best for our soul. See, Jesus didn't just happen to find himself alone uh, with time to pray and, and, and you probably won't either. You must intentionally make time to be alone with God for prayer and meditation and daily time in the word to hear the voice of God through his word and get direction from his word. And you need to do it. When you can get away from the hustle and bustle of life so that the voices, the voice of God comes through loud and clear when you're reading his word. Follow the examples by finding time with God. And last, I want to talk to who are not saved and are about your and, 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 and talk about your intentions on leading, learning about Christ. It is more likely the reason that you came to this Bible study here on Facebook or YouTube or, you know, uh, uh, Twitter or, or Periscope is to find some perceived need in your life or some crisis you are going through. God does not diminish your needs and in fact uses them to help us see the insufficiency of ourselves and our need for God in our lives. But if you want what is that, you're using God for your own benefit. God isn't your personal genie to grant you your wishes and all your desires. What God wants you to do is, is to see your sin, sinfulness before him your insufficiency to please him through your good works, the fact that he has provided a way to save you from sin and judgment through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross and that you that if you will turn from your sin, yourself and your own works to gain God's acceptance and place your faith solely in Jesus Christ, you will be saved. And to be saved is what your real need is. To be forgiven of sin before a righteous God is a real crisis in your life. You can have you can have everything turn out right and be delivered from all your problems. Your marriage can be repaired. Your kids can turn out well. You get all the money in the bank and all those things. But if you do not have Jesus, you will be lost in eternity. Jesus said this. Matthew 16, 26. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? My heart's desire and prayer for you guys today is to turn to Jesus and be saved and get saved. 
That is that is the purpose. Is is to spend time with Jesus, spend time with Jesus in solitude when there's nobody else around. I get an hour every morning just so I can spend time with God. Then the guys start coming in and we start talking, we start praying, you know, and 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 Pastor Chad calls me, we pray, you know, then I call a friend of mine, we and me and her pray and 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 you know, all this stuff because we because of prayer, you know. And, and, and it, prayer is essential. Prayer is the main thing. Reading God's word is the main thing. And if we don't do that, then how are we going to have a relationship with him? See, you could, you could be in politics. You could be doing whatever you want. But if you're not spending time with Jesus, then your, your life's going to be in disarray. You're going to feel that emptiness. That's just how it is. It's how it's always going to be. <clears throat> but if you put your trust in Jesus, guess what happens? Boom! Your life changes and you start serving others. Not because it's burdensome, because you want to. Because you want to see others happy. You want to see others bear fruit and go out. You know what I mean? So it's just like that. And it's good that, 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 that it's like that. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this time that we get to spend with you, Lord. We just ask, God, that you go before us today. We ask for your heads of protection and put around us in Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. We love you. We worship you and we praise you. Lord, bless the people that are watching. Bless the people that are going to go and watch this later. Lord, that you would just put a spiritual protection around them. Put those hedges of protection around them, Lord. We love you. We worship you and we praise you. In Jesus' name. Guys, got a couple more announcements before we go. Um, if you guys would like to uh, support Made Free Church, um, please do that at madefreechurch.org. We are a legit 501c3. None of us, none of the pastors or staff gets paid for anything that we do for this church. This church is solely, um, you know, we just we just do it because we love God. And we want to put it out there. You know what I mean? Uh, so if you guys want to do that, so... Uh, just there's three ways to give. You can give through our cash app. You can give through our PayPal link, or you can send a check or money order to the address provided. Make sure that you put your uh, email address in there so we can send you a tax deductible receipt. Guys, please pray for the pastors and staff over here at Olive Branch Men's Home um, and Olive Branch Ministries. We really need your, yeah, we we really do. We really need your 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 prayers and, and stuff like that. So uh, please pray for the men and, and pastors and staff here. Also, guys, please pray for Made Free Church Uganda. Yes, we do have a church in Uganda, Africa. It's called Made Free Church International. And uh, please pray for Pastor Henny and our congregates there. We love them. We pray for them daily. And guys, if you want to check out my website and check me out, you can do that at reformpastor.me. That's reformpastor.me. And yeah, so guys, we just want to thank you for watching. We we, we love you. Just If you guys need prayer and stuff like that, please reach out to us. We'd love to pray with you and pray for you. God bless you guys. You guys have a great day.